Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. How's it going? Doing all right? Good. Good to see you. You look good. I see some of you went ahead and wore your ugly sweaters today. Uh, (laughs) Not naming names or anything. Anyway, okay. This is a great time. I know for a lot of people this is a tough season as they're struggling with, you know, loss. They've lost loved ones and then you come into what is... What is a joyful season for a lot of people? You struggle with that loss, and we understand that, and, and we're praying for you, and we love you. And, you know, life's not always easy, is it? You learned that? So that's why we're learning to pray. We're, we're, we feel like this is an important time to, to learn to pray. It's always important to learn how to pray. And I think most of us feel like we don't pray very well. And because we feel like we don't pray very well, we don't pray as we should, or as often as we should. So we're, we're looking at this season to learn how to, how to pray better. And that is weird writing. What caused some to be capitalized and some to be, okay? It's, that's not what you're seeing. What I'm seeing is different than what you're seeing, so just ignore that. Never mind. Okay. So I was, I was, as we were preparing for, the, we're thinking about, you know, what's going to happen next year, what we're preparing next year, and I said, I really feel like we need to do a series on prayer. I was sharing with the elders about it a couple of months ago. I feel like we need to do some a series on prayer because I, I think we need to pray more in 2024. Okay, and that's a little kitschy, I know, uh, but there's always difficulties coming. Always. And, you know, uh, it's going to be difficult. There's a, lot, there's a lot happening in our world right now in a lot of different areas. And we need to, we need to prepare ourselves in prayer is, one of the, is the first line of defense. It's, our, it's the most important thing we can do. It's not the last thing we do. It should be the first thing we do. And also there's great opportunity. Where, where sin abounds, grace abounds. Where there are problems, there are opportunities. So this year is going, to be, is going to be a good year for you in the Lord. It may be a tough year <laughs> other way. So one of the ways we're going to deal with this is we want, we want to learn how to pray. We want to pray better. So let's stand and let's do the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Depends on where you're from. Okay, you may be seated. Last week we talked about, we started this series and prayed like this. We talked about our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name and what it means. Uh, it's so incredible when you think about that, that Jesus prayed. When he said, pray like this, he didn't say, my father who is in heaven. He said, our father. 
and he, he was inviting us into the family. Isn't that incredible? Just in, that, just in those words, our father, he's praying to the father. And he, there's other, other times where he's praying himself. He's saying, Father, I know you hear me. And he's not praying for the group. But he's, he's telling the disciples, when you pray, rejoice the fact that, that he's not just my father, but he's your father. So we've been brought into the family because of the work of Christ, which we celebrated with communion. And we've been adopted into the family. So our, he's our father because of what Christ has done, we are now in the family of God. And because we are in the family of God, one of the privileges of being in the family of God is that we have access to the Father. So Jesus is saying, because we're, because we're in the family, we have a right to pray. I mean, what's the basis of our prayer? What right do we have to come before a holy God? and offer any type of petition other than I'm sorry. I mean, what, what right do we have? But we have that right because of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us. So God our Father means that because of the work of Christ, we have access to the Father. John Newton said this. I like this when I read it this week. If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eyes upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. That's the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. So we say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We don't ever want to lose the sense of awe and wonder at the holiness and majesty and awesomeness of God, uh, the power to overcome sin, the beauty of Christ. We never want to take what Jesus accomplished for us lightly. Uh, we don't want to presume upon his goodness. We want to recognize that he is holy and good and righteous. And that's, that's the basis. We're, we, we can pray because of who he is. And today we're going to talk about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what is a kingdom? A kingdom is an administration. It's a way of life administered by a king. So God has a kingdom and he rules over that kingdom and everywhere he rules and his, where he's, his rules are observed, uh, he reigns. His, what's his number one rule? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So we, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we come into the reign and rule of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God's authority and rule in our life. The kingdom of God is inviting your kingdom come, your will be done. We're inviting the reign and rule of the Lord Jesus Christ into our life. It, it's like this. He meant that the coming of the kingdom would be the extent of God's rule where his name is hallowed and his will is done in heaven obediently and joyfully. You, you can think of it this way. If God said to an angel, hey, I want you to go down to the shepherds and announce the arrival of the Messiah. And they would do that with great joy. Or if he said to that angel, I want you to go clean the toilets at the food fast gas station." 
the angel would do either task with the same amount of joy because it's the will of the Father. See, what the Lord is wanting us to get to the place where we recognize, recognize what we're doing when we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done. We're doing it with the same level of joy even when it may be more difficult to be joyful about because we want to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we should be praying this every day. We should be praying, Lord, your kingdom is not here the way we would like to see it here. Would you like to see more of the kingdom of God? Yes. And then we would pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we, want to, we should just be praying every day. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, it's the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to see more of the reign, the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he came, said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So what does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like people hearing and responding to the gospel. The kingdom of God is when people say yes to Jesus Christ. It looks like prisoners being set free and blind people seen. It looks like bonds of oppression being broken. It's, it's the year of the Lord's favor. They understood this because in, in the Jewish calendar, not only did they have the Sabbath, which is a day set aside, they also had every seven years, they had a, a year that was a year of the Lord's favor. It was a year of Sabbath rest for the land. And then every seven sevens, Every 49 years, on the 50th year, they had a year of jubilee. This was a, a favorable year. This was a special year when, when land was returned back to its original owners, when people were set free, when bondages were released, when there was restoration. It was a, it was a time of, of like new beginnings. It's the, it's the favorable year of the Lord. And you need to recognize it. Every year you're in Jesus, it's the favorable year of the Lord. Say, what, what's 2024 going to be like? It's going to be the favorable year of the Lord. It's going to be the year of the Lord's favor for me because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, lives in me. And so it is for me. It is for you and me. It is the year of the Lord's favor. And so how did he do that? Well, we know how he did it is that he, he, he accomplished it for us. We, we, we sang about it this morning, Colossians 1.19. It says, for it was the Father's good pleasure... For all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of Christ, through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. And although they were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You are holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You see, before Christ came into your life, you may not have recognized it, and he still often operates in your life. You had an accuser. But now you have an advocate. In Revelation 12, 10, it talks about Satan, who's the accuser of the brethren. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Have any of you ever heard the voice of the accuser of the brethren? It kind of goes like this. You're a lousy Christian. Of all the Christians in that church, you're one of the worst. If they knew what you think, if they knew what you said when you were by yourself, if they knew the TV shows you were watching, if they had access to your Netflix subscription, they would reject you because you are horrible. You are a lousy Christian. Of all the Christians up there, you're one of the worst Christians there. Anybody ever heard that? Yes. You're afraid to raise your hand, right? Yeah, that's the accuser of the brethren. See, that's not how God operates. God doesn't accuse us. He's for us, not against us. That doesn't mean that God excuses sin. But here's what God says. Hey, you need to stop that. Because you're mine. And we don't act like that. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say you're a lousy, good-for-nothing Christian. You call yourself a Christian. Because the way the enemy works, he both excuses and accuses. So he, he excuses you. He says, listen, you ought to, you know, you ought to do that. I mean, you've got a hard life. Nobody appreciates what you're going through. Nobody appreciates how difficult it is for you. you. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. And so then you sin, you drink too much, or you do something you shouldn't have done, or you look at porn, or you, you do something where you're ashamed that you've fallen. And then he comes and says, I knew it. You are so despicable. You are so worthless. But see, here's the good news. We have an accuser, but we also have an advocate with the Father. And our advocate stands in our place. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. So, so John's kind of trying to lay out this reality, this place of reality where we live, right? He's saying, listen, we all sin, but we shouldn't. Don't get comfortable with it. I mean, we don't want to walk around saying, well, I'm a sinner. I can't help it. That's just the way all of us are. That's true. But we want to live on the side of, I'm not comfortable in my sin. I want to defeat it. When, what, what John is saying, defeat is not inevitable. Actually, victory is inevitable. Because in Christ, you are going to overcome sin. Say, so how do you overcome sin? When you sin, it doesn't stop you. When you sin, it's not the end. We have an advocate. When you fall down, you get back up again. So it's like you're running the race and, and you trip up and you fall. And you know what? The accuser says, stay down there. This is your 10,000th time to do this. 
And every time you say, I'm sorry, and you'll never do it again. So just stay down there. And Jesus comes along and kicks him out of the way. And he takes his robe of righteousness. And he covers us again. He never, we were never uncovered, by the way. <laughs> but he reminds us of who we are, that we're his, that we belong to him, and he covers us with his righteousness, and he lifts us up again, and he says, keep running. Yes. Don't stop. Don't quit. See, the enemy wants you to quit. The enemy wants you to throw up your hand and say, it's right. He's right. I'm a lousy Christian. I'm horrible at this. I'll never do any better. But Jesus says, yes, you will. You are ultimately going to be victorious one way or the other. You are going to be completely victorious over this one way or the other. You may have to be dead for it to happen, but you're going to be victorious. So he leads us. We have an advocate. We have an intercessor. I don't think you understand how powerful it is to have an intercessor. Have you, you ever feel like, I mean, I feel like I, I've been praying my whole life and I still feel like I'm not very good at it. You ever feel that way? Maybe you have a great prayer life and Tina has a great prayer life. I, I wish I could pray like Tina, but Tina has a great prayer life. I just feel like it's, every prayer is a battle. But here's the great thing about prayer. Because of who Jesus is, you can't pray a bad prayer. I mean, you can pray a prayer that's outside of the will of God. You know what he's going to say? No. He's not going to say, oh, well, you twisted my arm. You really prayed. Man, you used some big words in there. Those were some big words, man. I'm really impressed. I'm going to answer it anyway. No. How, how do we pray? We pray according to the will of God, and he invites us to pray. Look at Romans 8:34. Who then is the one who condemns us? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So when you pray, when you pray and you're stumbling along and you're, like, you're praying, Jesus turns over to the Father and says, here's what he meant. He intercedes for us. You can't pray a bad prayer. You say, oh, crap. The Lord says, this is what he meant. He's really serious. He's really burdened. Because he intercedes for us. I, I had an experience uh, where my friend from Wales, who's got a good, kind of a, you know, Wales accent, kind of, kind of Scottish, hard to understand. And uh, he was here and we went, we decided to go to Luby's. And the lady behind the, the counter at Luby's was Hispanic. And she spoke good English, but she had a little bit of, a, of an accent. And so we walked up to the counter, and she said, with a little bit of an accent in Spanish, may I help you? And he said to me, what'd she say? And I said, she said, may I help you? And he said, yes, I'd like a salad. And she said, what'd he say? <laughs> I said, he, he'd like a salad. We all spoke English. And a Texan was doing the interpreting. 
See, we all, we all come to the Lord with an imperfect language, Amen. an imperfect ability at prayer. But we have an interpreter. We have an intercessor who prays on our behalf. You have someone that's praying for you. When you even when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer. The Bible says that he even interprets groanings and utterances. Sometimes our prayer is, oh, we just don't know what to say. And the Lord knows it because he's interpreting our heart. He's, he's praying for us. Isn't it wonderful to think that you can't pray a bad prayer? No, I know this. I've got my granddaughter, Etta, our first grandchild that I love with all my heart. She has a speech disability. And she can think it, but she can't get it out. And she says, Papa, in a way no one else says. The way she says, Papa. I, I, can't even, I can't say it the way she says it. But the way she says it is so special. And when she, she says, I love you, the fact that she doesn't say it with the correct pronunciation doesn't discount its value. Yes. Right. Your heavenly father loves you. You are so special to him. He loves you so much that when you pray, his prayers are, your prayers are so valuable to him. Your tears are so valuable. The Bible says he's storing those up. Yes. And even your prayers, when you pray a prayer, that prayer is eternal because it enters into the heavenlies. You may pray it here, but when you pray, your prayer is eternal. That's why you, you'll see prayers answered from your grandparents and your great-grandparents, generations away, people that prayed for you and prayed for the... They, they prayed for this day even though they didn't know what it was going to look like. They prayed for you. Yes. And we get to see the benefit of that. And your generations will see the benefit of generations of prayer on your behalf because we have an intercessor. It, Jesus is praying for you. The best prayer in the world... In the universe, in eternity, the best prayer, Jesus Christ, is praying for us. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So we should pray. Lord, I invite your rule and reign in my life. I, I, I say your kingdom come. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want your will to be done. Part of being a child of God is caring about what God cares about. Just like Lauren was saying, we want, we want to have God's vision of everything. We want to care about what God cares about. What does God care about? So we know his will is perfect. And so we are acknowledging his wisdom, his sovereignty. And, and we're praying his agenda first. We're not, you notice that he said, pray like this, your kingdom come. We're kind of distracted sometimes when we want to pray. Lord, here's, what about my kingdom? So we lay out all of, his, all of our kingdom stuff. This is what I need to happen. I need this check to come in by the third so I can pay that bill by the fourth and, and I need all this stuff to happen this way. So we've got all of our kingdom stuff and God says, put my kingdom first. Pray my kingdom come, your will be done. You see, 
We have to pray God's agenda first. We have to pray God's will. So how do we know God's will? Well, we primarily know God's will through the scripture. God has revealed his, I mean, God's gone to a lot of trouble to put this book together we call the Bible. It spans thousands of years, hundreds of contributors, 66 books, so, so much that is in the story. So God has revealed us to his will. So when we pray, primarily he's going to reveal his will through the scriptures and he's not going to violate it. God's never going to contradict himself. And you, you can't pray effectively unless you align yourself with God's will. He will never answer a prayer that violates his revealed will. He will, well, he, I would say he won't answer it. He will answer it. He'll say no, because no is an answer, right? No is an answer. Colossians 1.9, Paul says to the Colossians, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's just the way that Jesus prayed in the garden before his crucifixion. Jesus submitted himself and prayed for the will of God. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And this was a costly prayer. Not my will. And Jesus prayed this knowing because of the cost. He knew that he was going to die on the cross. And the cross was the least of his worries. The nails... The crown of thorns, the spear in his side, those were all painful, and those were things that thousands, tens of thousands of people died by crucifixion at the hands of the Romans. It wasn't that unusual. What was unusual is that while Jesus died on the cross, he bore your and my sins in his body on the cross. How, how did he do that? It says that God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Every sin that ever had been sinned or will be sinned, he carried on the cross. That was the agony of the cross. And he was going to experience something he had never experienced before, is that Jesus was going to have a moment of separation from the Father. While he bore our sins on the cross, while he was the sacrifice, when he descended into hell before he was raised from the dead, in that, in that moment of time, however long it was, I have no idea. <laughs> it could have been a nanosecond. It doesn't matter because Jesus, the Son, and God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they've always been in perfect unity for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, always present, always in relationship. And for that moment to be separated, Jesus said, Father, if it's possible for us to do this another way where I never have to be separated from you, is there another way? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. When we pray, your will be done, we're saying, God, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. So Jesus needed to learn something? I mean, 
Jesus, God, the very God, needed to learn something. What did he learn? He learned obedience because there wasn't any other point in his life where he had to do something that he, his flesh and his spirit and his mind didn't want to do, and he yielded it to God's will. So he said, Father, is it possible for this, to, this cup to pass from me? And the father said, no, there's no other way. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' prayer put him right in the middle of great suffering to accomplish God's eternal purpose. It's, it's a costly prayer for Jesus, and it's often a costly prayer for believers. I want your will. And just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Jesus was right in the middle of God's will when he died on the cross. And you can be right in the middle of God's will and be going through very difficult times. You say, not my will, but your will. It doesn't mean that he will send you to Africa. Some of us are afraid to pray that. I'm going to end up in Africa. But I'm not going to tell you that he won't. Because he might. But if he does to send you to Africa, he will send you with a desire to go to Africa and you'll want to go to Africa. He's going to ask you for joyful obedience. You know how God works? Your kingdom come and your will be done. This is how God works. Jesus came and established the kingdom by walking in obedience to his father. And this is the way God works in the earth. Things don't drop out of heaven with a poof. Have you ever seen that? He didn't. I mean, I've never seen gold show up when we, we needed money at the church. I've never seen just, you know, a chunk of heaven fall off and end up in the church parking lot. I mean, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. It'd be sure easy enough to have a chunk of gold hit the parking lot. I mean, while they're doing repairs or something, I don't know, they lose track of a, some gold. And it, but that's not the way it happens. You know what happens? God encourages you to give and you give in obedience to the purpose and plan of God and you give and the needs are met. When God wants something done, he empowers his people to do it. He says, it's my will to do it. Now get up and do it. And, and he asks us to do hard stuff. I mean, look at how he calls people. He calls Abraham. He says, Abraham, listen, I want you to go to a land I'll show you. I'm like, can I have a map? No. Where, well, where is it? I'll show you. How long is it going to take? You'll find out. What, it's, it's that way all the time. He calls Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to lead you know, this million st- stubborn people out of the land, land of Egypt. And it's going to be really hard. You're going to quit a bunch of times, but that's what I want you to do. And Moses is going to say like, well, I stutter. God says, I don't care. Just do it. That's the story. I mean, you can look around this city. When you see things that have been changed, there's, sorry, I've lost my mic here. When you see things that have been changed, it's because people got involved and did it. You look around here and you can drive around this city and there's hospitals, there's Methodist Hospital, and there's Baylor Baptist Hospital. 
and there's Presbyterian Hospital. And all through this city, you'll find Buckner Children's Home. It's a big orphanage that's been around about 100 years. Buckner Children's Home is an orphanage in this area of town. And you'll notice that a lot of the good things, now, now there are commercial hospitals now because they found that it's a place where they can make money. And, and, but these hospitals were started because someone had a vision to help the community where there was a need. And so they perceiving the need, believing it to be God's will to help people in a time of need and sickness. In the very early days, most of these places didn't charge money. They were all 100% charitable. They started in faith to build something. And the reason they're here is because somebody had the courage to do it. And that's how God works. He's going to ask you to do things that are hard to do. He's going to ask you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. He's going to ask you to do things that you wouldn't that you wouldn't normally agree to, but you say, it must be God's will. So he's going to want you to, you know, love your neighbor. You don't have to go to Africa. You have a field of lost people all around you. Are you going to work? Are you, are you going, are you going to go spend time with your family at Christmas? You might be thinking, I'd rather go to Africa. <laughs> I mean, we're getting in that season. This is such a joyful season where everybody gets to argue about Biden and Trump at uh, family gatherings. You know. Yeah, say, thank you, Jesus, for this. But the Lord calls us into difficult things. How do, what is God? So we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. So God throws us, as it were, into his work. How, how does the kingdom come? How is his will done? How was the kingdom changed? Jesus came right to the middle of the mess and died for our sins. And how does God's work come into our lives? We say yes. He calls us to rescue the dog on the highway. The lost person in your family. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's difficult having the greatest amount of courage to just talk to people you love the most that are, that are lost and to say to them, have, have, you, have you said yes to Jesus? Sometimes that can be a very hard conversation. But it's a very important one, isn't it? And sometimes the, the Lord's going to put you in place. I want you to think about that where you work is your mission field. And you don't have to walk around being obnoxious. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. You know, you don't have to walk around being religious. But walk in such a way that people recognize what Christ is doing. They see Christ in you. They, and so if, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it right, people will ask us, man, they're laying off people. And everybody's freaking out. How come you're not freaking out? You say, well, I, it's Jesus. Or man, you're going through a horrible situation in your life. I know your wife's got this struggle. Your, your kids are doing this. How, how are you dealing with this? You say, well, it's a struggle. I'm not denying it's a struggle. But I want to tell you, I'm not going through it by myself. That's, 
And this is our ability to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. How does it come? It comes when we say yes like Jesus did. We say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's going to call you out of your comfort zone. He is. That's just the way he works. He's going to call you out of your comfort zone. If you, want to, if, you're going to, if you want to say yes to Jesus, he's going to challenge you to accomplish his will and purpose in your life. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's stand. We've got to quit. We're going to sing. No? Oh. So we have these cards for next Sunday, festive fun day Sunday. So you can, these are good. These are, it's good to have these, you know, you don't have to say much. Hey, come to this thing at my church next Sunday. So we're, we're going to have cookies, you know, chocolate chip, chocolate chip, hot chocolate, we're going to have a hot chocolate bar, no whiskey, just hot chocolate bar, just regular, some of y'all got excited there, no sneaking stuff in, uh, this, just easy ways non-threatening. Hey, we have this. We have this event. That's why we do this, by the way. We don't do this because you need hot chocolate and cookies. You don't. But neither do I. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We, we believe this is the favorable year of the Lord. This is, we believe this is the year of the Lord's anointing. It's going to be some challenges and there's going to be some opportunities. Lord, I pray that you would use us, thrust us in as uncomfortable as we are, just right in the middle of the mess in this world, in the middle of the problem. You ran towards the mess to bring us salvation. Lord, help us to invest ourselves in it and see it, that you've called us to it, to where we are at work, to love those people, pray for those people, invest in those people so that they say, what's up with you? And we can say, with great confidence. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus because I'm nothing. It's just Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Have a great week. See you in your ugly Christmas sweater again next week. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.